Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. On today's show, you'll get a five-step formula for success, as well as how our guest tackled the negative voices in his head to reach success in his leadership. Welcome to the Life as Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is an entrepreneur, investor, and business leader driven by the desire to turn ideas into reality. He's the co-founder and managing director of Next Coast Ventures, which has backed more than 40 companies across two funds where he champions a new generation of entrepreneurs building disruptive companies in big markets. He's the author of Mr. Monkey and Me, a real survival guide for entrepreneurs. Here is Mike Smirklow. Mike, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I'd like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better and give us some insight for our own lives. You ready for these? Hit me. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Oh, there's so many here, but I'm going to try and give you a couple. I think the one thing that uh, probably the biggest mantra I've had in, influenced me since early days to now is the harder I work, the luckier I get. And that's an overused one, but I just found that so many times between myself or when I see entrepreneurs, which I spend my day job helping and coaching, uh, you can have all the attributes, talents in the world, but at the end of the day, hard work tends to be the difference between okay and amazing. And uh, so I think that's the one that I would go to time and time again and remind myself all the time. That's a great word. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Self-aware, giving, focused. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Well, I think if you let's see, if you're asking a quell, uh, I think the biggest thing is you should be asking yourself is, what did I do in the past that no longer serves me or the organization? And how do I modify accordingly? I don't think any organization or any leader is ever in a static position. Things are always changing. And I think one of the hardest things about leadership in any capacity, large or small, is realizing that your job, your responsibilities, your accountabilities are going to change you know, daily, weekly, monthly, or sometimes even faster. And so pushing yourself to say, what have I done in the past that no longer serves me in the organization is a pretty simple way to keep that up the front of your mind. Mm -hmm. and I definitely want to get back to that in a few minutes after we're done with these questions, because that's a really interesting insight. And there's probably a lot that you've seen, especially working with a number of different entrepreneurs that you could speak into our lives with. The next question, though, is what is a book that you would recommend to leaders? Well, you know, the obvious answer is Mr. Monkey and Me. Um, <laughs> um, you know, this is another one. I, I love these questions. It, the, the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow out on this in a little bit because I think the hardest thing is there's some great books like Good to Great that talk about, you know, the, our innovator's dilemma that are, are core, part and parcel to any leader. Um, I really think the hardest part about that is books or content. We'll talk about my books. I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip this question because I think the risk is making it too generic because it's wildly different if you're running if you're running your own business and you're the only person there versus a large organization. So 
I'm going to, I'm going to hit the pass button on that one, if that's okay. Sounds good. And for the show notes, we'll just put down Mr. Monkey and me. The next question is if you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? I think the biggest thing you can do as a leader is taking time for mental health. Um, it, it just making sure that you're taking care of yourself. I think there's so many times that as leaders, and this is a good thing, but not a great thing, you sacrifice a tremendous amount to lead any organization. The risk of that is that you tend to put self-care in the back. And I think that manifests itself in a negative way going forward. So I think self-care broadly defined, and I got a bunch of subcomponents to that I would suggest. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Why not? Mm. Why do you say that? I feel like, at least for me, creative energies and pockets of innovation and thought come forward when I challenge myself or others to get curious. And one of the greatest follow-on questions for me is why not? I think the world is trapped in conventional wisdom, you know, bunch of sayings that we use as platitudes and kind of govern our life. And those are great to some extent, but you know, the power of stepping back and saying, why not? Right. Well, we can't go on vacation this year. Why not? Okay. You know, that, that to me is for me, it's me personally is a massive creative energy flow versus asking why we'll be back with the rest of our interview right after this. As the leader of your organization, you have a lot on your plate. You work most of your day, leaving you little time to think about your own development. There's a resource for you, and it's called the Leadership Action List. Get the best leadership development tips for leaders by leaders at leadershipactionlist.com. The best news? It's free. Once again, for a year's worth of weekly leadership development, download the Leadership Action List at leadershipactionlist.com. Well, Mike, we are here today to talk about any number of things connected to entrepreneurship, leadership, and your experience working with and helping other companies to grow. But you've recently released a book called Mr. Monkey and Me, A Real Survival Guide for Entrepreneurs. I'd love for you to share a little bit about the book and maybe about the title as well, because it's probably catching people's attention. Yeah, so the book was, um, I'm not a professional author, uh, far from it. Uh, My joke is, uh, like entrepreneurship, if I knew how hard it was going to be to write the book, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I wanted to write it primarily for current or aspiring entrepreneurs who were interested in the topic, were thinking about being entrepreneurs, or were living the life really with a goal of helping them understand all the mental challenges that come with being an entrepreneur, but also provide very specific and hopefully useful guidelines and tips about developing mental tenacity. And the book goes into a, the shape formula, and that's what I'm sure we'll talk about later. But to the title, you know, I was long struggled and still struggle to this day with this inner voice inside my head. And I think it, everyone has one. I think it manifests itself in various different ways. For me, it was always fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's this voice telling me that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't going to, you know, what I was doing wasn't right. Not in a moral sense, but like I'm not working hard enough or I'm not making the right decisions. And finally, one day I just got so frustrated, I I put a name to the voice. And when I started to think about how I could create this voice and put put a shape to it, for me, it became easy to think of it as this big, hairy, you know, silverback gorilla, um, which I called Mr. Monkey. And he's really the star of the book. Candidly, this is not a, a book about my great entrepreneurial endeavors. That would be a short blog post. This is really about um, how I have at least tried to overcome this voice, and I've seen others do it as well. 
And so that was the title and hopefully helps other people understand that, you know, if you're dealing with some form of inner critic or inner doubt, we all have it. And I'm just trying to put forward some ways that, uh, you know, hopefully it'll It'll help put that voice at least to rest a little bit. And one thing I do appreciate about your book is that you you mentioned that this isn't a memoir. You I think you you define yourself as like a solid B or B plus uh, business person with your career so far. And you mentioned that leave the memoirs for the the A plus the 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 big shots. I appreciate your candor there. I appreciate your humility there. At the same time, you've had a bunch of success helping other people launch their businesses or to grow their businesses. You've seen a lot on the inside of businesses too. And I'd love to hear some of the things that you've learned from other people that you feel like would be really insightful for leaders who are listening today, that they can learn from entrepreneurs who are getting started, growing and scaling their businesses. Yeah. And when I talk about the other, when I when I make those somewhat self degrading remarks. It's not really to, <clears throat> excuse me to say, I did, I've been very fortunate. I have had a great career. I just mean that there are, are legends. I think of like a Phil Knight and one of my favorite books, Shoe Dog, that talks about 35 years building Nike. Now that That's a memoir worth reading. Um, but to your question, I've, I've been fortunate to see a bunch of different things. I tried to bring, when we talk about the shape form and then we get into it, you'll see some of the commonalities I've seen. But I think for leaders, one of the things that I I feel like when I was going through it, there's a tendency to believe that A, that you're in it all by yourself and that B, uh, someday it'll get easier and that C, perhaps, you know, the things that are coming at you are unique to you. And I mean that because I don't, I don't mean to minimize what any leader is going through, but in general, growing any organization, you know, political, military, business it's going to be complex. There's going to be ups and downs. Leaders are going to be called into question for a wide range of, of things, you know, things they do, decisions they make. Um, and it's never going to get easy. And so I think that's the one commonality. Uh, I give the example not to talk people out of when I talk about entrepreneurship. I just don't like when people try and boil leadership down into three quick sound bites or the five things every leader does. Because they simply, I feel, do they don't do the job or the challenges they're in. And this is what your whole podcast about justice. And I, I'm all about trying to get people to really understand what it's going to be like to run and lead an organization and trying to do it, uh, you know, trying to minimize it down to, into sound bites. I think just is A, it's not helpful, and B, really doesn't do the challenges and the opportunities of, of leadership any justice, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And it's, it's incredible that, you know, 150 episodes or so into this podcast, there are still new people every single time, new insights every single time. Like you said, there aren't five simple steps. There may be certain steps you can take for a certain given time in the, the development of your business, but there's always something new to learn. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited about your shape formula. I'd love for you to give us an overview of the shape formula, maybe some insight into how you developed it. And then from there, we can go into some of the particulars. Yes. Yeah, so I went through and, and looked at it and said, all right, what, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Which the, the list on the second list was much longer than the first list on the what did I do wrong? Uh, and then I went out to, I'm very fortunate to be in a peer group uh, through Young Presidents Organization, YPO, with a bunch of other amazing entrepreneurs and leaders. And I pulled them and I said, well, what did you seen works? When you think about mental agility or toughness, what attributes would you list first? And then the third lens I looked through were 
my experience with amazing entrepreneurs. I started my career working in Silicon Valley with two legendary entrepreneurs, a guy named Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz. They now run one of the most prominent venture capital firms in Silicon Valley. I got to see a bunch of other leaders when I was before I started my journey. I then had my time, 13 years of running an organization, taking it from a small organization with one location, 30 people to over 3,000 employees publicly traded by the time I retired. And then to my time at Next Coast Ventures in Austin, where we've invest, invested now at over 50 different companies. So a very broad lens. And what I tried to do was through both direct and indirect communication and observation, see what the common patterns were for those that were dis, uh, displaying and I felt had mental tenacity. And that's what the shape formula is. S is for self-awareness. H is for help. A is for authenticity. P is for persistence and E is for expectations. And for those those five things, self-awareness, help, authenticity, persistence, and expectations, uh, are these in a certain order or is that just you know used to create the acronym that we can easily remember? I, I think it's, a, you know, listen, it's not Maslow's hierarchy of needs to put it in that perspective, but I do think there is a foundational element of self-awareness that drives the rest of them. Having said that, I tried to write the book and each chapter, as I mentioned, has these monkey minders, three or four different ideas that I've seen work um, to, to develop the attribute that I think you could do on its own. But in, in the core of it, I think there's a foundational element and it flows from the from left to right as the acronym unfolds. And when you're speaking about the shape formula, does this go back to the mental health insight and tips? Are these are these interconnected or are these are these different things? Yeah, all about mental health. And, and, and so really the monkey, it starts off telling, the, the book starts off talking about my my less than stellar upbringing. Uh, I just didn't have a ton of role models. I struggled with a lot of just how do I get out of uh, a very challenging economic and socioeconomic situation in Toledo, Ohio, uh, how I got educated, and then how as I, as I started to try and develop a professional career, how this voice would come in my head. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, and the shape formula really is what I believe is the best way to take that voice, understand what it is and what it isn't, utilize it for what it can be, but also not let it dominate you and really start to um, hopefully get onto your entrepreneur journey or, or get started with it wherever you are on that path. I'd love for you to give us some insight, maybe just uh, one or two for each of these areas, if you wouldn't mind. Starting off with self-awareness, what would you recommend to people in order to develop or assess their self-awareness? Yeah, I think that this is, and the reason this is the first attribute is because I think it's, you know, we look at our firm at Next Coast and we've had some great successes and, and my part, my business partner and I have looked and said, gosh, what's the one attribute that we see amazing entrepreneurs display? And if it's tenacity is obviously up there, but self-awareness tends to be number one. And really it's about as a leader, understanding what motivates you and realizing that everything's different. So a simple question is, well, why am I doing this? What, what am I really, not, not why, what I want people to think, but in my core, when I go to sleep at night, why do I get up in the morning? And it can be money, it can be power, it can be influence, it can be save the world, whatever it is. It's just really having that understanding and recognizing what motivates you. And then I think among other things, and there's a lot of things I recommend, like I've done a bunch of work with the Enneagram or personality test. I think the biggest thing is having a clear and honest assessment of what you're good at and what you're not good at combined with what you like to do and what you don't like to do. 
And I think this self-awareness applies to almost every aspect of leadership. Really, where are your core strengths? Because I do, there's an old premise that says, I probably should have put this in the question, which is, it's much easier to play to a strength than overcome a weakness. And so when you think about your leadership, you may be very good at public speaking, but not so good at process. That's okay. I just encourage people to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire someone around me that can help with the process. I'm going to play to my strengths. So I think those are some basic fundamental ways to start saying, you know, again, what am I good at? What do I like to do? How do I want to show up in the world? And I think once you understand that, then that leads you to uh, to developing as a leader and going to the next letter, letter, which is getting help. So before we go to the monkey minders for help, one thing that you said, uh, you mentioned assessments. I'd be curious to know the role of assessments in the, the venture capital process or other organizational leadership that you've been a part of? Yeah, well, it's been massively helpful. So I, I alluded to it earlier. I joined an organization, uh, YPO, Young Presidents Organization, oh, man, 17 years ago um, when I was much younger. Obviously, uh, we're all getting older, I guess. Um, but it, was, uh, it really did a lot of self-reflection work as a cornerstone to leadership. And I don't think there's a more important thing I'd, I've done to become a leader was really understanding why did I get upset about certain things? Well, you know, anger is a secondary emotion, not a primary emotion. Why do I? Why did I let things bother me? Where did I show up effectively as a leader, and where did I not? And, and more often than not, I'm trying to think of when it didn't wasn't the case. It almost always came down to some personality trait, something that was inside of me that was either being exposed or heightened. And the more I got to understand that, then the more I could temper my. Uh, emotions have then led me to work around doing uh, daily meditation, things like that to say, okay, now I understand myself better. Doesn't mean good or bad. I hate personality tests or say like, oh, you're good at this. You're not. No, no. We're, we all have strengths and weaknesses. It's like a, a big house. There's 20 rooms, 10 rooms. There's certain rooms that you as an individual just like to go into more and certain rooms that you really don't want to go into. The faster you understand that, I think the more you can then a, develop as a leader and also go back to that play to your strengths, not your weaknesses. So for the monkey minders for the help chapter, you talk a lot about, uh, you know, anywhere from mentors to a group to coach, whenever you're you're thinking about maybe maybe yourself or for the business leaders that you've been working with, is there one of these that takes priority over the others or is it situational? Well, I think it's it's a great question. I, I do think I, I hate when you, because listen, I also realize that leadership, you can be leading your family, you could be leading your church, you could be leading in a one-person company, right? So leadership, as you, as you discuss it, is a pretty broad topic. When I think about entrepreneurship, it has a similar scale component to it. So I hate to say, go hire a coach because some people say, you know, I don't have the resources to do that. So first of all, my biggest mantra on help is somebody out in the world has done what you're trying to do. And part of your help journey is to seek them out. And then the second aspect is I'm always amazed at how much people love to give help. It's kind of one of these like secrets to life, in my opinion. I love, you call me up and ask me for advice. I'd love to tell you, I'd love to do this podcast because I like to talk. I like to talk about myself, et cetera, et cetera. Most people like to help. Very few people don't. And so your job a lot of time as a leader is you can go formal channels, mentorship, hiring a professional coach, which I'm a big fan of, or if those resources aren't available to you, then be curious. Look for others around your community or online that have done what you're trying to do and seek them out. 
it doesn't mean everyone's going to respond, but you know, having an open mind and really seeking help can be a massive differentiator and it can be done for free. So not really answering your question and to say, yes, all of the above. Um, I, I, we find at our portfolio at Next Coast, those leaders that have a coach, a professional coach, tend to do much better than those who don't. So we are big fans and highly encourage of it. But I also think, you know, it's the old horse to water. You're going to have to want to have that. You're going to have to want to develop. You have to want to have someone giving you advice and input versus being told you should do so. How about the monkey minders for number three, which is authenticity? What would you recommend to people to develop their authentic voice? Well, so this one's, you know, and there's great books on this. And when I wrote the book, I was a little bit reticent, I guess would be the word to put this in there because there's so many books on authentic leadership and you know, and good content, but there's been reams and reams of volumes created on this. For me, the biggest thing that I had to get comfortable with, I'll give you my personal story, is I always felt a bit of imposter syndrome. You know, I don't deserve to be here. Is this really happening? Am I good enough to do this? And what I really had to get anchored on was back to my true north, back to the self-awareness. Why exactly was I, why did I want to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, I wanted to develop economically. I wanted to have impact. But at the end of the day, I really wanted to lead and be part of a team. That was my goal. And I wanted to build a company where employees love to come to work and enjoy the experience. Those are, those are my real drivers. And so for me, again, for my authentic voice and everyone's different, whenever I felt like I was getting, playing a part, if you will, trying to be somebody else. And I tell some stories about where I, you know, this great story where I felt this massive conflict between two mentors of mine. And then the monkey screaming at me, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I really had to take deep breaths and go, what does Mike want to do here? And that doesn't mean in an egotistical way. It means much more, where's my true North? And when I got, when I got more and more comfortable with that, and then secondarily, here's a weird part of authenticity. The more I got comfortable in saying, I don't know, or seeking others' input, wow, this power curve happened. And people started to really lean in. Because a lot of times, the first couple of years of my journey, uh, saying, I don't know, was a sign of weakness and felt, you know, my monkey voice was screaming, you know, no, 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 true leaders, they, they know everything, which is complete BS. So keeping it but it's complete BS. So for me, authenticity had to come with like, A, what do I really want to do in this situation and show up? And then B, not letting you know certain shortcomings or weaknesses or imposter syndrome lead me to uh, act or lead in a way that was inconsistent with my core beliefs. I've got to say, I like that monkey voice coming in as well. It's a nice little addition to the, uh, to the audio for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're doing video. I've got a mask where he, where he jumps up and down, but yeah, I mean, as I say, he's the star of the book. He's, he's the funniest character in the book. I'm just, uh, I'm like a B actor in that, in that, in the book as well. So when it comes to persistence, you include meditation, reading books about entrepreneurship, having long-term goals. One of the things that I'd love for you to talk about, though, is the last one, which is find an outlet outside of the office. Yeah, this kind of goes back to when we were talking earlier about you asked one of your great the great questions coming in of what a leader is going to do is that I was um, – I used to – when I was raising capital for the business, I was at the time um, when I first started my entrepreneur journey, not married – uh, no kids, not married, no dog. Uh, I worked out. That was it. And I used to say to my early investors, this is either going to be a great success or you can drag my dead body out of the office. And it was done for a little bit of theatrical uh, experience or, or expression. 
But several years later, one of my entrepreneurs came up to me and said, you know, I never was really clear if you were serious or not. And I said, neither was I. And so I tell that story not as a badge of courage, but more of a badge of awareness where early on I was all in. And there is something that you have to be all in. But it wasn't until I met my girlfriend, now wife of almost 17 years, um, my and now four children later, like where I started to see a little bit of the edges of, I actually got a dog. That was my first step forward. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, the ape barely leaving, pulling his arms off the ground, but it wasn't until I started to get some outlet. And for me, I found physical pursuits initially. And then obviously with, with um, my family coming along, what a blessing it was that I found balance. And I think with balance then becomes, you become a better leader because you have perspective. And so I just think that whatever it is, wherever stage of life is realizing that a, the business isn't life or death. It may feel that way, but you know, fortunately you're not at war and no one's going to you know live or die based on your business success. And then B having something to ground you outside of work for me personally makes me a much better leader. And even for our entrepreneurs, I never want to hear about our entrepreneurs working all weekend. Yeah. You're going to have to work hard and there's commitment level, but uh, balance is to me part and parcel of being a great leader. I love that nugget that perspective leads to persistence. Now you've shared about self-awareness, help, authenticity, persistence, bring it home now with expectations and any insight you have for us for expectation. Yeah. But my expectations are this, right? It's like, um, it's kind of like a movie. You know, if you and I were going to go see uh black widow, which I just saw a great movie with my kids, but like, if you're going to go see a movie, you know, you, you go in, you buy your popcorn, you know, there's going to be the opening credits, you know, there's going to be drama, you know, it's going to be two hours and you know, it's going to end and then you're going to go home. Right. I think that a lot of times with entrepreneurship, um, having the right expectations for each phase can also be the make or break. And so a lot of it's understanding, Hey, part of being an entrepreneur is just getting started at the beginning. It's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. Everybody who started something, Jeff Bezos, when he started Amazon, Howard Schultz, when he started Starbucks, I know there was a moment where they thought, is this a dumb idea? Should I do this? So the first part is you got, you know, that's going to be there, get going. And the second part of expectations is it's going to be ups and downs. You're getting on a roller coaster and the turns and the hills never stop coming. They change, but don't expect it to get easier. And the last part is it's going to end at some point, whether the way you want it to or not want it to, the experience is going to end. And so I think having those expectations, much like if you're going to go run a marathon or go see a movie, you have expectations about how it's going to go. It'll be different, but set your expectations and be grounded in some regard around those attributes. I think that also leads to a much healthier entrepreneurial and leadership mindset. Now, before we finish up today's interview, I want to circle back to a question that you gave to us at the very beginning, which is, what did I do in the past that no longer serves my organization? I'd love some insight there, maybe that you've seen for yourself or for the many organizations you've had the opportunity to work with. Yeah, it's really, and I do this, I did it as a leader every three to six months, which is one of the most pressing things in front of me as an organization where can, where am I uniquely qualified as a leader to drive those things? And then where do I need to supplement? So let's say you're starting your podcast, right? Your very first podcast. You would say, I got to get audio set up. I've got, you know, there's certain things you have to do and only you can do them. And they serve you well at that time. 
because you got the podcast off the ground, right? And, and you get going. As you evolve, the risk, I think, in leadership is, let's say on your very first podcast, you uh, it's a bad example, but whatever, whatever business was, there's a bunch of things you do because you're the only person there and you need to get it going. The risk I see with a lot of leaders and entrepreneurs is they get comfortable in, in certain attributes of it. I always go on sales calls. I interview every employee, whatever it is, those things served you really well at the start, but do they prevent you from scaling or do they prevent you as a leader from growing? And we all have comfort zones. And so I think it's just that acknowledgement that says part of leadership and growth, I think, is consistently challenging yourself to get out of your comfort zone and expand your capabilities so that the rest of the organization can follow. Well, Mike, I appreciate that insight. If people have enjoyed what they've heard from you today and would like to find out more about you and the work that you're doing, where would you like for people to go to do that? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. So the book, Mr. Monkey and Me, is available on Amazon. All proceeds for this book go to a charity my wife and I set up for diverse and underrepresented students who are interested in entrepreneurship. It's a scholarship we set up. So any, if you do buy the book, I really appreciate it, but know that all the proceeds are going to uh, a really important scholarship. Secondly, to follow me, I'm at Mike Smirklo, S-M-E-R-K-L-O.com. There you can find blogs, musings I have about leadership and about mental tenacity. You can take a test about um, mental toughness and readiness for entrepreneurship. Uh, and then my handle on all social is just Mike Smirklow. Perfect. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to follow up, remember, as always, links are in the show notes below. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. 
If Business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading wealth.